Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to another jam-packed edition of Pulp Hockey Show. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it. PulpHockey.com. Get it on Stitcher as well. Get it on iTunes. And uh, get it on any kind of podcatcher that you have, whether it's a Droid or an iPhone. Really appreciate it. Listen to the show. Leave a review. And, uh, yeah, we, we, it's great to have you guys listening. Show's growing, and uh, comments are good. And at Pulp Hockey on Twitter, uh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis. But more importantly, on the line with me, 18-year NHL vet, now the lead color analyst for TSN, as well as NBC Sports, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I'm in, uh, I'm in Florida. Um, my wife's parents have a place down here where they spend the winters. So I come down for a little rest after that Leaf debacle the other night, a 7-2 <laughs> yeah. thrashing they took in Florida. And it's uh, 36 degrees Fahrenheit this morning. Oh, wow. Holy I'm like, sauce. what am I doing here? Yeah. Like, this is so, you know, I figured we'd go, we hang by the pool, mm-hmm. you know, like the, in the community where they live. And, yep, like, you yep. know, I, I, I wore jeans all day yesterday. Oh, jeez. I'm like, this, this sucks. Yeah. I, uh, I, I came for warmth, man. Thir- 36 in Florida in March. That's crazy. Yeah, she whiz. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming uh, it's warmer in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it is nice. Starting to starting to break here. <laughs> the summer's starting to break. So, yeah. Um, uh, all right, lots to lots to talk to. I guess uh, first up, um, you talked about the Leaf debacle in, against the Panthers, and uh, they're struggling a bit. Austin Matthews, no points in six games. W- but what's the bigger fake controversy, Ray? Uh, the off day where Mitch Barner and some boys went fishing and, uh, you know, posted a photo of a catch and then they got, they got promptly spanked the next day by Florida or, and this is, oh, I'm a little late to the game. I've been meaning to squeeze this in recent shows. Josh Hosang wearing number 66. What's the bigger fake controversy? Uh, well, I, w- I would say the fishing, okay. um, even though I find them both absolutely ludicrous. Um, yeah. First of all, the fishing was not the day before the game. It was a day, two days before. Okay. I believe. Okay. Even if it was the day before, let's let's assume it was the day before. All right. Yeah, I think my my understanding is they got uh, they played Saturday in Carolina. They went fishing Sunday. They practiced Monday. They did not skate Tuesday and got spanked on Tuesday night. Right. When. I don't know what people think players do on their off day, mm-hmm. but they're not watching video and hold up in their hotel room when they've got no game for two days. <laughs> they're out like actual humans, yeah. and they interact with other people, or they set up, because they're lucky enough to have the means to do it, they set up a fishing charter, mm-hmm. and they go, by the way, they're not doing anything on that boat but sitting there. It's not like they're helping sail the thing, right? Like yeah. they're, they're just sitting there. They, they've rented a fishing charter. Yeah. They're sitting there. They fish for a few hours. I'm 
I'm almost certain they might have had a couple of beers during the day, too. Probably. Right. Because it's two days before a game and it doesn't matter. If when I hear people say that, oh, you know, the players, the, the, the old, old time players, they really cared about the game. You know, they, they were more focused yeah. on the game. Yeah. The, the people couldn't be more further from the truth. <laughs> the right. reason, Steve, there's, the reason there's morning skates is because teams used to travel on the charter. The guys would have six or seven beers on the train. Not the charter, rather. They'd travel on the train between right. games. They'd have six or seven beers, and they and the coaches were like, we got to get these guys out of bed. They played them all. Because otherwise they'd sleep yeah. <laughs> until 2 in the afternoon. So that's where the morning skates started. Do you think they were talking about the game while they were on the train? Of course not. They were no. playing cards. Right. The game, you talk about the game for about six minutes, literally, after the game, yep. on the bus yep. from the rink to the airport. Now they watch some video clips on the plane, and then you relax. You play cards, you read a book, you, the younger guys are playing video games. They're not thinking about hockey. The idea is to not think about hockey as much as you can, because all you do is screw yourself into the ground. Mm-hmm. So, so then they go fishing. It's no big deal. They have a dinner. Guys have have a really good time, I'm sure, lots of laughs. And then the next day, they practice. Now, it's also spring break in Florida. So I was there. I just got in on game morning. Mm-hmm. Went for lunch. I walked down the, the beach to, to a restaurant, and there are 50 million kids, you know, college yeah. kids in yeah. their 20s. And... All the girls are out there in their bikinis. These players are 20 to 25 years old. What do you think they're out there doing? They're out there looking at the girls in the bikinis. Yes. Because that's what you do, actually, till you're 90, I think. (laughs) So, So that's what they did on game morning. So Tuesday morning, they didn't practice because the rink's 45 minutes away in Sunrise, Florida. So they didn't practice. They had meetings, and then they went and... Hung out around the beach for an hour or two, had pregame meal, took a nap, and went and played terrible. Yeah, got now, hammered. They could have, yeah. they could have, yeah, they could have played. They could have practiced and played terrible. They didn't practice and they played terrible. Sometimes you just suck. It just happens. Yeah, that's the, that's the way it is. The trick is now that it doesn't happen again tonight. But they also they also lost the leeway of an off day because they practiced yesterday in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I will bet everything that they practiced this morning in Tampa yeah. before they played tonight well, because the off day stuff didn't work so well. But then, again, the Babcock can only go so far with his hammer because of the, the CBA agreement that gives more off days to players. You know, like... Right, but yeah. they but they they chose to give them the, the day off after the Carolina. Oh, okay, game. so it wasn't a scheduled CBA. It wasn't one game. of those mandated okay. ones. Right, no, right. And, and part of the thing is, like, the everybody has to understand... That we've all been complaining, and the players have been complaining, and the coaches have been complaining about two things this year. One is that the schedule is so compacted that teams are exhausted. You know, I did the Islander game mm-hmm. in New York the other day, and they were on the road for nine games and 11,000 miles. They came home on, they flew home late Saturday night mm-hmm. from St. Louis. They had Sunday off, and they played Monday, and then Tuesday on the road. Yeah, they were just on the road for, yeah. And they just turned around, basically dumped off all their laundry and, mm-hmm. and played a game where they yeah. played terribly. They lost 8-4 and then went to Carolina and won the next night. So they're exhausted. 
That's one thing they complain about, the players and coaches and stuff. The second is there's no practice time. Because the schedule's compacted, yeah. they don't... So now that everybody's trying to balance these two things, and Babcock and his coaching staff obviously felt, you know what, mm-hmm. we need the rest more than we need the practice. Maybe they needed the practice or, <laughs> right. you know, to stay sharp. I don't know, because it was just... They were terrible. Eating. Holy smokes. Oh, my God. They were just... It was a, it was a debacle. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I, I don't know... I don't even know who you could single out as having a terrible night because they all did. Yeah. Like Morgan Riley and Nikita Zaitsev were a train wreck. Yeah, it was a disaster for them. Um, Bozak Van Reems, like Kadri was was awful. Yeah, you know, like, but that happens, man. The season's eighty-two games, so yep. Yep. now they got to re, you know, re, yeah. reload and. They're- there's a 100% chance they come back in with a much better effort tonight in Tampa. There's, I guarantee yeah. you they come in with... Yeah, they might, not, they might not win. Right, right. But they way, way... I mean, it's impossible for them to be worse. Mm-hmm. But the crazy part is, you look at Tampa, they've got no players. I know. And, and they keep winning. And so it's almost like, okay, do you have two hands? Good, you're in tonight. Yeah. Like, they, you know, like they, are you breathing? Yeah. Good, you're in. Yeah. Like they're, but like the other night in New York, they had... Or, Last two days, they had uh, back-to-back games in New York and in Ottawa. So Peter Budai starts in in New York, plays terrific. They win. They go to Ottawa. They win with with Andre Vasilevsky, their starter and goal. Now they go back home. I mean, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but since Tampa, at the deadline, if you go just from the deadline, their lineup doesn't have Brian Boyle, Val Filpola, Ben Bishop, and then the injuries of Nemestikov. Yep. Johnson, Johnson, Paquette, like that, that's seven. It, and there's so, I'm forgetting one other one. There's oh well, that Stamkos guy. Yeah, they miss him too. But that's seven guys that weren't in their lineup three weeks ago, and they're now they're running a winning streak that's yeah. amazing. Seven, two, and one, last ten. Yeah, no, they're and and then really to touch on quickly on Ho saying there's that is absolutely ridiculous. If if the number is so sacred, then the league should retire it. Yeah, it's like not it. retired. He's not retired. He's worn it since he was 15. He should wear it. And I watched him the other day, and I'm telling you, first time I've watched him live, Steve, Mm -hmm. that kid has got, he's got some courage. He has got, like, with the puck. He is not shy. He's not like one of these rookies that looks like he's going to inch his way into the game. Mm -hmm. Now, he he had a goal and an assist the game I watched. He was also on for two goals against in 25 seconds. My first coach, Al Arbor, or I'm sorry, Jack Evans, mm-hmm. when I was in Hartford, he told me um, I, I had a goal and three assists my second game of the in my career. I was also minus four. Yeah. And he, he told me I was a threat at both ends of the ice. <laughs> and and that's what I kind of think Hosang is a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, man, he is incredibly talented. Just a really yeah. skilled player. And to wear 66, if if the if there's such an affront to it, then the league should retire the number. Yeah, and if I there's not, you uh, should keep wearing it. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. Like, go ahead. I mean, yeah, it's it's Mario's number, but he didn't play for the Islanders, man. So, well, it, and okay, they've retired one number. It's Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. My recollection as a youngster was that Bobby Orr was pretty unbelievable as a player. Yeah. There's lots of plugs that wear number four, and that's fine. Do you remember Gordy Howe wore no, Gordy Howe wore number nine? So did Bobby Hull. Yeah. Oh, lots of guys wear number nine too. So did the Rocket. What? Um, yeah. If you yeah, you want them retired, retire them. If not, um, don't worry about it. How about do you remember when? Uh, I think it was Wilf Paymont wore ninety nine. 
<laughs> he did in, in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. That's bold. That was bold. Yeah, right that's, in, a, right in that's the, not a number you want to be wearing. No, right in the height of like uh, Gretzky. <clears throat> like he was at his peak powers. And there's another dude with 99. Um, hey, so you called a game for NBC Sports the other day, um, like you yep. said. How does that work with your TSN deal? Um, do you obviously that you know they heavily lean on you in playoffs? Uh, NBC guys do, but how does it work for the regular season? Do they just squeeze you? Do you say, "Hey, I have time"? Do they say, um, "Hey, can we piggyback you because you're already on the East Coast" or what? Like, how does that work? They say, "What is your schedule?" Mm-hmm. Um, I send them my schedule and say, "Any of these off days that you know where I'm in the vicinity of the next game, um, I'd like to, you know." Oh, okay. So, I'm available. Yep. Um, the only caveat is I better not miss the next game for TSN. <laughs> right. So there's there's always a uh, because TSN's my employer yeah. and NBC is is would be considered extra work, I guess. So um, if if there's weather like there was this past yeah week in New York, in New York. Um, I I've got to I've got to get lucky sometimes, and um, uh, because. It, it would have been difficult had I not got out of New York. I, it would have yeah. been really difficult uh, to get to Florida in time for Tuesday's game, and that probably wouldn't have gone over well. No, and it would probably be the end of squeezing games in for NBC. <laughs> for NBC, exactly. Yeah. How many games? Do you, I enjoy it. How many I games do you do it. with um, with NBC Sports in the regular season? Oh, uh, this this year is different. Um, I, I think every year is different, Steve, okay. because of the um, the schedule. Most of our games are Tuesdays and Thursdays with yep. TSN. So. Yep. Um, anything on those days I can't do. Uh, Wednesdays they do their uh, rivalry yeah, night. Rivalry so, you know that's where you know they use McGuire and Olchek, of course, almost exclusively on those nights. So I don't a day where I would be free is Wednesday, but there's no games because yeah. they do the one yeah. game right. Yeah. So um, and so that's you know so whenever the days fit, I did. I think I'll do a half a dozen and then uh, hopefully a hopefully a really full schedule in the first round of the playoffs before uh, Gordon Miller and I head to the world championships this year, which are in Paris. So that'll be okay too. Oh, they're in France. I didn't know where they were this year. That's yeah. Cool. Uh, they're in France and Germany. Cologne uh, is they got hosting one side and uh, Paris is holding the other. I didn't know that. I've been to Paris a ton, probably a dozen times. I don't know if I've ever seen like a modern arena, but obviously they, they got one. Somewhere. They do. They got a thirteen thousand seat arena somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I've never been to Paris, so um, and then I I figured, oh, this will be great. Cammy and the kids can come over. Sure. You know, we'll get a little time there. But uh, my older guy Riley made this. Uh, uh, I don't know this travel soccer team. There, um, the coaches have these connections because mm-hmm. uh, he used to play over there. Yeah. And uh, so they're going to Italy for two weeks to train. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, we used to go six miles away, <laughs> right? You know, and that would be a big road trip for us. Yeah, and, you exactly. know, he's going to Italy. Yeah, with his iPad and everything else. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I did a uh, I did a motocross pre show for NBC Sports Online last year. Um, got paid. So you and I are NBC Sports freelancers, right? Both of us. Well, there you go. That's yeah. okay too. Yeah, it's all right. Um, hey, this week in Vegas, I got to ask you a favor. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's fantasy camp is here. Um, yeah, it used to be nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Now okay. it's uh, fifteen thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars. Um, can you, you know Wayne probably? Can you not very well? No. Can you get me a break on it? Can you call him and say, hey, I got a guy. I don't need there's travel. Almost, 
there's almost a hundred percent certainty I will not do that. Oh, man, um, I, you know I don't know where. How cool I'm, would I'm that be? In. It would be really fun. I've never been. I know lots of guys that that go kind of regularly. They have a great time. Oh, you know guys who have been, uh, who go. Well, just like um, you know, guy like the celebrities. Oh, okay, there, yeah, yeah, or yeah, whatever, yeah. Right. whatever you call. Yeah, Le- Leech is here. Leech is here. Messier is here. Um, yeah. So who's who? Right. I mean, they, and of course, it's not. I don't think it's too too tough a sell for Gretz. You know, hey, do you want to come to Vegas for <laughs> right first two days and you know and, and do the camp? But um, I, yeah, I've I've not been. I've I've always wanted to go and do a, a baseball camp. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I, I would go to go to a Red Sox one, but um, yeah, that's something I would love to do. And uh, I, I, you see all kinds of people doing it. You know, like some are good, some aren't. It doesn't yeah. even matter. Um, I did one when in LA. They ha- they have one, mm-hmm. and uh, so we were out on the ice and we were doing drills with the you know with the guys, the campers, <laughs> I guess you call them. And, right. Um, so we get we're doing this two on one drill, and I'm going with Luke Robitaille. And like, there's this dentist that's in that, and uh, <laughs> Luke goes in and just rings one off the bar and in. And uh, I, I, I said to him, I go, "Hey, Luke, you could have passed it over." And he's, you know, he's laughing. He's yeah. like, "I looked over and I felt I was the best option." <laughs> but this guy's a dentist. Right. The guy's got to go to work on Monday, and yeah. and Luke is just ripping this rocket right over his shoulder. I know. I'd love to go. It, it tells you that you're guaranteed. Okay, so you play like a round robin of scrimmages, and you're guaranteed to have Wayne play on your team. That's what the website said. So can you imagine? Oh, see, that's awesome. You're, yeah. you're in the Wayne's feeding you in the slot. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how many passes he makes that are chopped up into little pieces <laughs> right, exactly. by, by the guy receiving them? <laughs> it's really expensive, but I'd like to go. I haven't been on the blades for a while. I might need to warm up a little bit, but <laughs> a little rusty, are they? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. My super tax probably aren't gonna aren't gonna cut it, but um, I don't think they wear those anymore. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun, man. It'd be fun, but sixteen grand, man. I don't. I just don't have that laying That's around. A, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a pretty big nut to crack right there, isn't it? Yeah, it is for sure. Um, all right, in more serious, so you're not going to call Wayne. I'm not going to. You're not. Gonna, no, no, that's not going to okay. happen. No. All right, maybe I can go under like a media. Like we're going to cover it. You know, I'm going to cover. Sure, it. why not? Yeah. Try that. Um, in more serious matters, though, uh, came up this week uh, something close to your heart too. For people who don't know, you're married to Cami Granato and NHL Hall of Famer, or, or Hall of Famer, I should say, uh, an all-time. Uh, USA women's great player. Now, this is interesting. I, I read up on it a little bit this morning, and I heard it last night. So the USA women's national team, uh, basically, you know, the counterpart to the team that plays, to the men's team that plays the Olympics, and for anybody who doesn't know, um, the World Championships, which you just talked about that you're covering for the men, it's the women's national championships or world championships are in Michigan, and they're going to threaten to boycott the world championships unless sort of this year-long negotiation with USA hockey for uh, really better wages is what it comes down to um, uh, gets speeded up. USA hockey released a statement that I read and found a little bit disingenuous. Um, And Ray, again, being married to Cammy, this is close to your heart. I'm sure. Uh, What's your thoughts about this? Well, lots really. I mean, when, when I heard about the story, um, really full-time or full-on yesterday. I knew that they were in discussions over the past, you know, six or eight, nine months to mm-hmm. 
try and straighten this stuff out. This has been going on for over 20 years. And it's it's not, Steve, I, I said to Cammie, I, I think my biggest fear of it for, for the U.S. women that are trying to get this sorted out is that it's going to come down to the only thing that gets reported is they're looking for more money. You know, you said the counterpart to the U.S. men's team. Well, they don't, they're not treated like that. Right, they're, right. They're, they're not. I'll, I'll give you, this is just a one simple example of many that I could bring up. The, the, before the last Olympics, they unveiled the jerseys that the U.S. men's and women's hockey teams mm-hmm. were going to wear in Sochi. There was no representative from the women's team there. There were no players there. They had to find out about it online. That's how they found out. Yeah. Number two is on the patch on the shoulder, they had embroidered the gold medal winning teams of 1960 and 1980. Well, there was another team <laughs> was that won a gold medal. Right. That was in 1998, and that was the women's team. The women are wearing these jerseys. They're not even acknowledged by USA Hockey. So they're talking, not only are they asking for some things that I think are a little bit excessive. You know, they want a 25-man roster every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, like the like USA Hockey supports the National Development Program um, in Plymouth, Michigan. They spend about $3.5 million a year uh, supporting that. And that's for the under-17 and under-18 mm-hmm. uh, boys teams, if you want to call them. They're young men uh, teams. There is no equivalent for the women. Um, they they want basically something like that, that program. Now, it probably doesn't have to be that extravagant. Mm-hmm. Those kids play 60 games a year. The women don't have anywhere to play. Yeah. So they have to they have to scatter to the winds if they're not playing in colleges. You know, if once they're older than that, they've got to they've got to find a place to play. There's the the women's professional league that's just started yeah. um, in the last couple of years. So they want they want to basically be treated somewhat the same as the men. USA Hockey is a nonprofit organization. When girls play minor hockey, they pay the same registration fees as the men. Now, the argument is that goes through time is that there are no revenue to women's games. There's no revenue comparable to what the men's games generate. Well, that's fine, except there are no revenue. With the U-17 tournaments and the U-18 tournaments, there is no equivalent for the women. You have to spend money to make revenue. They don't. Mm-hmm. So, the, so them saying that you know potentially a woman could make $85,000, that's absurd. Yeah, it doesn't ha- It does not happen. Yeah, I was going to bring I, that up. That is, uh, and uh, from what I understand, right, that's only in an Olympic year, and that's only if you win the gold medal. Um, and it's which and, they've won once, yeah, by the way. Right. So it's a it's a long shot. You're in a, you're in a, you're, you're in a four year cycle for for the Olympics. So you have a chance, maybe, perhaps, to make eighty five thousand in one year. Maybe right, but that gets yeah. thrown out as it's a be I know. all end all. I. Yeah. There's look, nobody nobody will ever convince me that the start of the downfall, if you will, of and of course I'm biased, but of my wife's career was that when they tried to fight for some of these rights 20 years ago, much like the women's soccer teams did, uh, Cammy's relationship with uh, USA Hockey and certainly the coach Ben Smith, who 
just wanted total control of the locker room, wanted total control of everything, started to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. And Smith Smith wanted full control of the program um, and of the women playing for him. And so he cut Cammy prior to the 2006 Olympics. Yeah, and big controversy. Only, yeah. yeah, and yeah. for the only time, that team did not win a silver medal or a gold medal. Sweden beat them in the quarterfinal game, and that sits on Smith's head. So this could have been done 20 years ago, but the U.S. women's soccer, who are still fighting all the time, yep. uh, for a little bit better stuff, and but they got their their soccer federation came through for them, certainly in a way that USA Hockey didn't for the women, and so finally it came to the head to a head. Mm-hmm. It takes enormous courage by these girls to do this. This World Championships are their most meaningful games of the year. Yep, and it's they're a, one yep. year out from an Olympics. And they're going to torpedo it because they're like, look, just recognize us. Give us something that we can at least feed ourselves while we're training mm-hmm. to be players for the Olympics. And well, they're going to, they understand, the girls understand, they'll have to work harder to help generate the revenue to help pay for this stuff. They get it. They're not stupid. Mm-hmm. Let, me ask, let me ask you this. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but um, how much... Like okay, so outside of college, right? You 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 you, you get out of college. You play, you play for the national women's team. How much time? Like, could you hold a regular job? Or no? Well, you could. Yeah, they do. Okay. A lot of them do. Um, I don't know how much time commitments it takes in, in an off year. Let's say in a non-Olympic okay, year. Okay, so well, what's what? Well, you can't not play. <laughs> right. You have to right, play. Right. You have to train still. You can't take six months off of training and then try and no, get of course back not. No, this is months. a that's what I'm saying. Like, how much commitment are, is USA Hockey asking of these of these women? Well, they don't. They convene probably. I I would say three or three times a year for concentrated camps. Okay, and and then you know the women have to, you know, they have to find their place to play, and so that's where the National Women's League is really so very important for mm-hmm. them. Now. Um, so if you're holding a full-time job, you're probably 90 minutes to two hours in the gym a day. Yep. So your full-time job's what? Yep. Let's say they've got an employer that helps them out a little bit, and they they work six to seven hours a day. Now you're two hours in the gym. You've got to eat. Yep. You've got to skate in, aside from that training. Yeah, because you're not like going you're, you're not, you're not to just show up, like like you said, without at, at a tournament or at a, at, a, at a camp without having... It just doesn't happen. Yeah. No, it's not. And, and this is not a unique challenge. I mean, there are other athletes in Olympic sports that are, that are doing this as well. Mm-hmm. The, the difference is you can't convince me that USA Hockey doesn't benefit from the fact that there is women's hockey in the Olympics. They were, they were saying they're I, I forget the numbers they quoted last yesterday in their press release, uh, how many women, or young girls rather, are playing hockey. If there were no Olympics, there wouldn't be that many girls playing. Oh, hell no. No there, way. There's not a chance. No. They would go, these girls that are terrific young athletes, they would go and do something else. They, they you know, because they, you want to have, you want a dream, you want to have yeah. a goal. The goal is the Olympics. And so, there are players, I know there there's been countless players that have just stopped playing they're like i i can't do this anymore right yeah yeah life is getting in the way life is getting in the way and the fact that there's 
there is no real advocate for women's hockey I, that I know of um, for that USA Hockey has. You know, they, they really don't. There, you know, there's nobody fighting for I mean, them. And so Cammy could, Cammy could probably do it, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, but she's not in USA Hockey. No. I mean, it, it, it's really quite... It's it's really you know. I don't oh, I, oh, I thought you. Oh, I, oh, you meant. On, you, I'm sorry. You meant on USA Hockey side. I thought you meant just fighting yeah. for the the women. Yeah, right. No, I mean, Cammy's had such very little to do with with USA Hockey since she was since she doesn't play yeah, anymore. Got it. It's real. They've tried lately. I'd say a little bit harder to have her more involved. Um, I think it's crazy. She's the the most recognizable. The um, a women's player in the mm-hmm. history of USA hockey. And the fact that she's not involved more is, is really quite surprising, but I'm her husband. So I'm probably biased, but I don't think you'd find too many people that would argue that. No, no. Well, the, 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 the good part is the, uh, the women have the same attorney that went to fight from what I understand that went to fight for the women's soccer team that did get some breaks and some, uh, some renegotiated terms. So, I imagine the lawyers using the same sort of a formula and case and, and structure and everything else. And so how does this end, Ray? How does this, what oh, happens? Man. What happens? Well, the U.S. The US says that they will put, uh, USA Hockey says there will be a team on the ice in Michigan. Okay. Um, but the girls are saying, you know, it's not going to be us. Mm-hmm. And they said they have the support of the, the under-22 team and the under-18 team. The real pressure point for this is going to be if those under 22 and under 18 players uh, are told or feel the pressure of, if you don't come to this tournament yeah. for us, you're not going to be included going forward. I mean, that's going to be the pressure point. Yeah. And then let's say some of them do fold and they do fold and they, and they ice a team. Then those ladies, those women move into the, uh, the national team and there's going to be some hard feelings on that and they could really rip a program apart. You know? it, yeah. it really can. And, and really, I, I really hope that they find a way to come to some common ground here before the tournament. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I don't want, I, you know, I mean, these are, this is a tournament of their, uh, in their career, they'll never get back, these women. And just think of how strongly they must feel about it. For a career that has a pretty short lifespan, mm-hmm. they're willing to, to pull one of these tournaments out from underneath themselves. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, it's the whole thing they work for all year. This, this is the biggest thing all year. And so, well, and there's only, you know, in a lot of, for a lot of cases, they might only get to play competitively for one Olympic cycle. Mm-hmm. Yep. So this is one of the three world championships that are out because there isn't one in oh, the Olympic year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting for sure. Um, stay tuned to this, everybody. Uh, what was Cammy happy that, I mean, she's, she's, like you said, she's tried to do something years ago. Now, you know, she's not that involved. She's not into it uh, in, in, in the trenches anymore. But does, is she happy that the, that the women are doing this? Oh, she's very proud of it, okay, for sure. Okay, good, yeah. And uh, she's been, um, actually, she's been on the phone constantly the last couple of days and <laughs> um, talking with, with the players that, um, um, that oh, she knows. Yep. And, um, and also, um, it's also nice to see that uh, the girls that are, or you know, or knee deep in this right now. If you know, they recognize Cammy's contributions and attempts over the over the course of her career and and what she's done for the program. They recognize, you know, they they talk about her publicly. They certainly talk about her 
you know, privately. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, it's, uh, she's, she's very proud of them and, and hopes it works, um, yeah. and will, and offers any support she can give, uh, anything she can do. Of course, the girls know that they can count on her. Right. Well, since we're talking about the business of the game, let's, let's keep it going. Um, Rick Westhead on TSN. I hope this guy, I hope this guy never investigates me, Ray. I hope I have never anything going on where Rick has Rick, Rick Westhead is calling me, because whether it's the concussion lawsuit against the NHL or or now the CHL uh, uh, lawsuit with the teams, um, a few players have you know kind of done a class action against the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, where the junior teams play. I think the Q is not involved in this. I'm not sure. Maybe there is, but it's more uh, the Ontario Hockey League and the Western Hockey League. Rick Westhead of TSN uh, is all over this. Um, what do you make of this? The CHL side is saying, hey, uh, you know, a couple years after you leave, you have the ability to, uh, to go to school. Uh, we'll pay for your schooling. Um, you know, obviously a small percentage of the CHL players make the NHL. Most don't. And uh, the players are saying, hey, we want some fair wages. We have to put in a lot of work. Um, we get a small stipend, and uh, it's not enough for, for what you teams are making. Teams are opening their books. The Rick's, Rick's been detailing this thing the whole time. Uh, where do you stand on this? Of course, uh, you know, you played junior hockey long, long, long time ago, but you, you know the system, you know the yep. deal. Yeah, I did. I did, and my son played in it um, not very long ago. Um, so the, the financials are always an interesting thing because, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, accountants can make numbers look a whole bunch of different ways. Yep. And so there is some um, debate as to what internally gets gets put into the financials. So like a, a team might have, I, I, I don't want to quote the team cause I'll get it wrong, yeah. but they have in their financials, $350,000 of um, hockey related expenses. That's all it says. Nobody knows what's in that. Yeah. Cause there's something else for equipment. There's something, you know, something else for marketing. They don't even really know what that is. In any case, they've released a list. All the, all the 60, Teams and it does include the Quebec League um, release their money in versus uh, expenses yeah, yeah. and the total profit or total loss, mm-hmm. net profit, net loss. Some teams, is, uh, you know, uh, the London Knights, I think, are the um, uh, are the most profitable team in the CHL. Um, and then, you know, from the few million dollars they make a year to some teams that lose. I think the lowest is probably about three hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. and I—that's uh, a—that's a, the Prince George Cougars that are up north in the in, in the Western Lake. Yeah, NBC way up north. Yeah, yeah. So the the players want a little bit more money for the revenues that they generate. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how much the the stipends have changed, but you basically what you get is um, you get some basically spending money uh they pay for your they pay your billets the family that you live with um they pay them room and board uh, monthly Mm -hmm. um they put money in an education account that um that may or may not get used yeah so this is how it works a player retires from junior hockey or or ages out from junior hockey um they have they have to use their education fund right away. Now, if you want to go play, say you play four years in the Western League, you have four years of school um, 
put away um, in, in an account. But you lose that when you go play pro hockey. You lose it year by year. Mm-hmm. That money, to me, if you earn it, that money should be yours until you're starting at age 25. Yeah. Because if you want to go try and play in the American League or the East Coast well, League no, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, nobody's going to – when you're – you know, you have to be a pretty realistic person at the end of your junior career to be like, oh, no, I have no chance of making a pro. I mean, there's tons of players who have, you know, haven't had great junior careers that make the NHL. You cannot blame anybody for chasing it for a few years. Well, but if you earn it, you should earn it. Yep. You shouldn't earn it for a short period of time. Yep. Or there should be a a age that is uh, qualified – that once you pass this age, yeah. now you start losing the years that you've accrued. But make, it, it, like, make it like 28 or something, you know, 30. Well, what, what, that, that's, a, that's a debatable point. You can, mm-hmm. I mean, you'd think they would be able to come up with that. But the players feel that, you know, for the amount of time that they put in, they're not fairly compensated. And really, the, I, I don't know how you could look at the, the wide range of profit and loss in the CHL and say that it's, there's an easy way to come up with a, a wage or a salary that each player should make. Some teams it would bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, you know, for sure. Other teams would be able to easily absorb it. And so, you know, yeah, unlike hockey, uh, USA hockey, these teams are not, or these teams are for profit. Yeah. They're a business. They're not, they're not, um, uh, you know, they don't run just to be, you yeah. know, a nonprofit organization. They're trying to make money here too. Yeah. And so there, there has to be the ability for them to make money. Yet there are some teams that can't afford this. Some easily can. Is it profit sharing? Well, why would a team in, in London, Ontario, want a profit share with a team in Prince George, British Columbia? Yeah. I don't. I don't see this as a as easily solvable. Right. As um, you know, I, I can see a solution in the USA Hockey v. the women's team. Mm-hmm. I can see a solution there. Yep. This one, I don't see it. You know, I don't. I don't see any solution that sits there quite quietly or quite easily attainable. Yeah. I just. I just don't. I don't know what it is, but I do. I do get their case. I absolutely do, and I also get the team's case. I mean, I, I just. I think this has got a real bumpy solution in front of it. Yeah, and Rick Westhead is all over it. <laughs> Damn yeah, it. He's, uh, he's a dog on a bone, that's for sure. Right. You're right, though. Um, um, there there are teams that are massively profitable, and there are teams that are struggling to break even, the smaller teams. Um, you know, uh, Prince Albert, uh, how much do they make? You know what I mean? Prince George, like you said, these small teams, these small towns in Western Canada where it is a really a community ownership. Like, they're... London is the rock star of you know of CHL, but that's that's an exception. So right, for, for sure it is, and, and I don't, um, you know, there there are great great expenses these teams have. Yeah, um, and and they deserve the right to be able to cover them, but there does seem like they're you know that this yeah. is kind of just spat in the back, and the the compensation to the players has been you know, rather minimal. Here, here's the other thing. Yeah, yeah. The compensation takes those players out of competing for U.S. scholarships right away. You play yeah. one game, you're done. Yeah, yeah you're out. Yeah. You know, so there's, you know, the the players are, are making a pretty strong commitment here to, to try and further their, their career, and yet they're, 
at the other end, which should be the school package, which really um, wasn't available when I started, um, but has has grown into something that that is available and something that's gotten yeah. better. I I think that as as we're talking about it, Steve, I think that's something that um, that might be able to be tweaked in so, in a way that. Uh, is certainly more valuable to the players because it stays there longer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they are going to lose talent to the college system and to the um, what is it that what, what's the other league? United States Hockey League. Oh, the USHL. USHL. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, but um, the, but the yeah. thing is, the best the best of Canada's junior players, like you know, fifteen years old, that yeah. are going to go into junior age. The best of those ones are. are in a in a majority, in a landslide majority, are going to stay in major junior hockey. Because that's that's what we know here. That's yeah, what yeah. Um, that's what I mean. It's still the best feeder system mm-hmm. there is. Although the college ranks are are so much better than they used to be. I mean, it's not even close. You, yep. you when I went, um, you know there, were, you know there was a there was a thought that if you went to college, you you might not get looked at. Yep. By the NHL, and of course we know that's that's absurd. That does you know yeah. that's not the case anymore. Right. Well, yeah, the USHL. I want to say two years ago they had the most players drafted in the first round, something like that. Uh, I think. Well, they had. I don't know if they had the most, but they. Had, I think they had five or six, and it's. Um, I mean, the league is. Yeah. The the USHL is a terrific league. The BC Junior League is a terrific league that. Um, is a is a feeder system to U.S. colleges, mm-hmm. and so um, there there are players. Uh, Tyson Jost was the uh, first round pick from uh, the Colorado Avalanche, and um, he he played in Penticton. Uh, Dante Fabro was first round pick from Nashville. He played in Penticton. Those are two teams out in the BC Junior League. So the the growth of these other leagues has really been quite rapid. Um, you know, within twenty years and um, they all, they all are a threat to major junior hockey, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Paul Pocky Podcast. Get it on uh, uh, iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on uh, any podcatcher app that you have, if you have a droid phone, with TSN's Ray Ferraro. Um, Ray, let's um, – something, something I'm interested in that maybe nobody else is, but I think, I think it would be interesting. I want to talk about your game day experience as an analyst. Not as a, not as a player, but as an analyst. Like – what happens? Let's let's go through this. Okay, so you have a game in in Toronto. You yep. you get there. You take the red eye. You already told us a few shows ago. You take a red eye. Um, yep. You get in. You know, six o'clock in the morning, something like that. Uh, five yep. o'clock in the morning. So, yep. all right, go. What do you What do you do? What, what I get t- from the I get from the plane to my bed within <laughs> an hour. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I sleep till probably about nine forty five. Get up, grab a quick breakfast, and I'm at the rink by 10:30. Okay, that's morning skate time, if there is one. Yeah, morning skates. Yeah, yeah. Um, later in the year you don't even go down in the morning as much because neither team is skating. Okay, most of the time, but um, we'll get access to the coaches and talk to them for a few minutes if we want, and um, you know, a couple of players you might, you know, okay, wait, you're, you're, already, of, you're already moving too fast here. So, uh, you and. Um, the play-by-play, both. Oh, yeah. Yeah, whoever okay. I'm working with. Yeah. Do you do you, you get to the rink? Do you, where do you meet the coaches at? Um, we'll just talk to the PR guy uh, um, and say, "Hey, can we grab okay. Coach X for five minutes?" And some guys don't want to do it uh, in the morning. They say, "Yeah, let's do it at five fifteen tonight." Um, oh, okay. And others will do it at that time. 
and and sometimes you don't even need to talk to the coach. Like I don't need to talk to uh, to Mike Babcock every game because, um, or very often for that matter, because there's you know I see their team every day um, or every game that they play. That's yep. that's kind of the you know the main focus of my job in a lot of ways. Uh-huh. Um, uh, for example, I'll I'll try and talk to Guy Boucher from Ottawa when I do a Senators game because I don't do as many of those. Mm-hmm. And just get a little update, hey, what are you doing with your lines? What do you, um, what have you liked? What don't you like? Um, do you have any concerns? Okay, thanks. Like, it's that quick. Oh, is it really? You know, like, oh, okay. So it's not like, like I, I, I've seen the NFL guys who do it, and they sit down and they have like a 20-minute conversation, it seems like, about plays that's coming up, and, and you know, they backslap each other. No, none of, yeah. none of that stuff. Um, not, certainly not to that detail. Right. Um, it might be a twenty-minute conversation because the coach might want to coach like chatty, and we right. talk about the league or talk about players or sure. talk about. Or you may have, you I may have know. played with the guy with the coach. Who knows? You know. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. And then and then we're talking about nothing. You know, we're just kind of <laughs> babbling and catching up, and so that that happens a lot too. Okay. So that takes you. To, you know, I'm usually back at my hotel by noon. Oh, okay. So you do and, go back. Uh, okay. Yeah, and then. Uh, uh, I walk in the door. I order lunch. Uh-huh. Um, I do my. I finish my prep, which I've started usually the day before. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I have a sheet, kind of a cheat sheet, where I have all the guys' stats on it, and then a couple of relevant points. Okay. Um, like you, you or, write, you write with a pen. You like circle a player and put a note about, hey, um, you know, whatever. Move to the yeah, second well, line. Yeah, I have a. I have a. A game sheet that I have that's got the so I write the players in lines and defense pairs, and then and then I have a section for the power play and the penalty kill, and then some general notes on the team. Okay, and and so I've got one of those for each team. Uh, every day I do um, as part of the game prep. I do reading. Um, I read I read all these articles across the league. I get on the phone a little bit, mm-hmm. and then I have a document for each team. So I just basically take the stuff that I've accumulated mm-hmm. and put it on the game sheet. And so that's my cheat sheet. By the time I get to the game, I'm, Steve, I might look at that sheet two or three times. It's just like a security blanket. Yeah, sure. You know, it's like writing it out as a memory exercise yeah. and also to keep the stats fresh from team to team because I might be doing three games in a week. Right. So um, when you... I, I, finish my, I finish my game prep by 1 o'clock. Uh-huh. I race to the gym and uh, get a 45-minute workout in. That takes me to 2 o'clock, and at 2 o'clock, I'm asleep till oh, you do, 3.15. You do pregame naps even as an analyst. Oh, yeah. I love, <laughs> love my nap. It's a hard habit, then, right? It's a hard habit to break. Oh, you did that for 18 years. <laughs> yeah, but, Steve, I don't want to break it. I like my nap. <laughs> and, and then uh, I get up, and I start my radio um, my radio hits usually are from 3.30 in the afternoon, probably to as late as 5.30 uh, when I finish overdrive, and then I do the game. Okay. Um, so when do you leave for the game? Because well, sometimes I think in overdrive you've been in the car. Yeah, usually I leave at about – I try to get there for 5.30. Okay. So if the game's at 7.30, usually two hours before. Okay. And, and quite frankly, I'm not sure why I'm there two hours before, but I am. So – you, you get to the rink at five thirty. If you have, if you've spoken to the coach in the morning, or you're not speaking to him, where do you go? To the do you go to the press box? Uh, no, I'm well. I'm never in the press box because I'm always downstairs. No, I know, but oh. where do you go? Yes, yeah, so I, I go. Oh, there's a 
the press room. There's a media room where they do the press conferences before oh, and after yep, games. Yeah, I've been some so of those. I'll go in there and I'm hang out. Uh, there's there's a press meal that you like. I think I eat from September <laughs> to April. I want to say of my dinners, mm-hmm. you know, my five o'clock, six o'clock meal. I bet you I eat forty percent of them with a plastic fork and knife. <laughs> right. Right. A couple of places we have, um, they'll have like some random sort of steakish meat, mm-hmm. and uh, and we call it "bring your own cutlery night" because uh, <laughs> you, you ain't getting through it with right. a plastic fork. And knife. Yeah. Um, and so in the press room, in these press conferences and everything else, um, there'll be other media dudes hanging out, just all waiting oh, yeah, for the free like food, some, right? Yeah. Well, it's not free, and so oh, it's not free. You pay, oh. you pay, you get your ticket to go, you know, eat. And so there'll be like the other broadcasters, yep. uh, broadcast, you know, all the broadcasters, the yep. print media, um, a lot of the technical people that you never see that get all the games on the air, yep. like the really important people. Yep. You don't, yeah, the smart you people. Don't, right. you don't, yeah, you don't see them, and uh, but they're in there. That's where they eat their meals. And like for example, and I would say there's probably a hundred people. Oh, by the okay. time it yep. it's all said and done, and um, so eating there, and then. Kind of wander around a little bit. So there's a, usually, it, there's a room where we can, you know, where we hang out, you know, like, yeah. um, you know, hang your jacket up and stuff. So sitting there, we'll is, watch. Is watch every whatever's on. is every arena the same, or is there a pain in the ass arena, like MSG or somebody like that? Is there a pain in the ass arena uh, for all this stuff? No. Well, Brooklyn's tough because I'm not there very often. I'm yep. just there, and they got these hallways down there. I always end up in the wrong hallway, and I'm like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here, and I got to kind of <laughs> wandering around. <laughs> That's basically it. And they're like, you know, some security guard will say, "What are you doing here?" And I'm like, "I don't really know. I'm looking for the rink." He's like, "Oh yeah, next hallway." Right. You know. Jeez. Oh, so, but they're they're all they're all pretty simple to get around. I now, I've been in the rink since you know since nineteen. 19- right. 75 so when you yeah but this is see i I, when i cover these motocross races people want to know this kind of stuff and i'm like i gloss over it but um you know because it's such a you're right you know it's It's just so routine right 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 i go to these arenas and stadiums and i find press boxes and i go to the press conferences and blah 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 but um what if the sportsnet guys are are there oh well it's do you? There's not a problem. No, no evil eyes at, at each other. You guys sit down no. and okay. All right. No, but but I know. I mean, I've known a lot of these guys for a long time. Like if if Elliot Friedman is there or Nick Kiprios, I like why wouldn't I talk? I played with Nick. I know in New York, I, right? You know. So, but there's lots of the like some of the newer the newer younger guys. I mean, I'm, I don't know them. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's not like I'm sitting down and eating dinner with them. Yeah, I just yeah. right. It's just like some random new guy, but he's in a suit, so I know he's a sportsman. Right. So we got a guy. We got a guy that covers this the sport of motocross, and I I see this guy, and he's a nice guy. I'm like, I don't want to sit by him. I'm not, I don't want to sit by him in the press conferences. I don't want to sit by him in the press box. He's a nice okay. guy, but I don't know. But, you... No, but I mean, like, it. <laughs> I would say, well, I think what I I try to tell people is that sports are the same in a lot of ways as as life. Like people say, you know, how does a locker room get along? Some guys you don't like, and some guys you really like a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. people you see that you like a lot, and mm-hmm. some that you don't like a lot. And so the guys that you didn't like a lot, it's not like you're going for dinner with them. You say right. hi, you're cordial, because yeah. you're part of the same grouping. Traveling circuits or whatever. Right. Yeah, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not going to go, hey, do you want to go for dinner tonight? And 
I know we don't like each other, but you want to go for dinner tonight? <laughs> Who the hell is going to do that? Right. So at any point, um, obviously you don't really see players in the morning, unless the morning skate, you can go into the room, I guess, and hang out at some point. Um, but do you see them before the game? Are they all in the locker room? Are they in the no, hallways hanging? Uh, okay. No, I, I rarely talk to anybody, um, you know, from 5 o'clock on. Yeah. The, see, I, I, I think I have a little bit different uh, view than than some of the other guys that do what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's that, you know, I'm in their workspace. And so I do my best to, if they want to talk to me, I'll gladly have a conversation. Some other guys are way more forward about talking to the players, you know, when they're sitting on the bench and that. I don't. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of guys I'll say something quietly to because I know them or, mm-hmm. you know, I've, or coaches that I know, they know I'll say stuff to them. But yeah. I'm, I'm not sitting there talking to a random guy about, hey, nice gloves you got there. Right, you know, right. I don't, I don't do yeah. that. You yeah. Know? yeah. So, but guys probably, I mean, I imagine every player knows who you are. You know what I mean? And you're, you're a very important guy in, in the in the sport in the that covers the sport. They I might. I don't think. That, I don't think a lot of them have any idea. Really. You know how long I played, or what? Yeah, they probably not. Yeah, yeah pro- exactly. You're the voice of the video game, right? That's what they know. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, like I've had, I've had players say to me, "Man, you had a hundred goals in junior," and I was like, "Yeah, I had four hundred <laughs> goals in the NHL too." And they're like, "Wow, I didn't know." Like, you know <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, it's not like they're doing research on a broadcaster. You're just no, the guy I know, in the suit. but still. You know? But you know what? It's the same in the in the Supercross motocross world. These legends of the sport walk around, and these the current guys are like, "Hey, did he race?" And you're like, "You have no idea how how how, yeah. how bad that dude was at racing. How good he was." Meaning, you know, like yeah, like you have they, no idea. Yeah, no, there was okay. I'll I'll give you an example. Um, uh, so we were in Detroit, and the, there was a team that was. Uh, um, the visiting team was there, and the guys were riding the bike mm-hmm. um, in in the morning. They had an off morning, yep. and Vladimir Konstantinov came by, yeah. and he's on his walker, and he's got somebody that helps him. Yep. You know, and for those that don't know Vladimir Konstantinov, which is the whole point of this story, yeah. um, uh, eight days after the Wings won the Stanley Cup in 1997, they were in a limo. The limo crashed, and he just had a terrible yeah. brain injury and, you know, was the end of I mean, his career. Vladimir Konstantinov at that time was, I would say, one of the best 10 or 12 defensemen in the league. Yeah. And so can you imagine the Red Wings with Nick Lidstrom and Vladimir Konstantinov and Brian Rafalski? I mean, yeah. they would have, I mean, how much, I mean, they would have been. Oh, Chelios too. Team. Yeah, Chelios as well was around then too. Yeah. Yep. You know, so like, so the, the point of this story of mm-hmm. players not knowing, so they walk, Vladimir walks by, and mm-hmm. um, and so I said to the players, I just happened to be standing there, I'm like, do you guys know who that is? And they're like, no, no idea. And I'm like, oh, it's Vladimir yeah. Konstantinov. So I told them the story. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, I had no idea. Like, right. like you, you know, you get so <laughs> absorbed in your own yeah. career that they, they, they just, like, they probably looked at him and went, wow, that sucks the way that that, guy has to walk and mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. He needs help and but they you know they, they didn't have yeah. any idea that, that vladimir was a player of such prominence yeah yeah no it's 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 sad that way okay so pre-game uh pre-game meal uh plastic fork and knife um sitting next to your buddies talking about the game um and i'm guessing at some point gord uh miller or chris cuthbert head up to the press box is that right before game time or are they, yeah, are they usually up there? About six o'clock 
usually about six o'clock. Um, they're up there for an hour and a half before the game. Yeah, I don't know what they do up there. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, Just don't be late. Yeah. But they like Gord will always say, "Okay, I got to go," and he leaves. And Cuthbert says the same line all the time. Uh, I got a game to do. And he gets up and <laughs> and he goes upstairs. You're like, "Oh, really? <laughs> Thanks." Um, yeah. So. Um, but you go in the press box for some arenas, right? There's a few still left? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, like, this week I got a game coming up in Boston. I don't know if I'll be downstairs or upstairs. Okay. Um, I, I much prefer to be downstairs, but that's just the way it is. Um, so you head out to the uh, to the box uh, to call the game at Yeah, Wentz. usually about – well, it depends. If I have a sports center hit, mm-hmm. um, I might have to be out there at 630 um, like okay, let's ass- we're assuming the game's at seven thirty. Yep, I might have to yep. be out there earlier to do Sports Center hit. Oh, okay. if I don't, yep. uh, the, I have to be at I have to be there for the start of warm up seven o'clock. So thirty minutes before the game, I've got to be yep. standing and ready to go. And okay. most times I'm there on time. Sometimes I'm. You know, <laughs> and so you've watched, foggy. dude. You've watched eight million warm ups of these players just doing these drills. <laughs> it, um, it's. It's so boring. Yeah, because basically what you're not, you're not on the air. What I do, yeah. No, basically what I do is I watch to see the lines, mm-hmm. make sure all the guys I think are going to be on the ice are on the ice. Yep. And then um, yeah, there's no yeah, no, no late it. scratches or anything or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, but I might have uh, for the pregame show that we're doing, so I'll have a a hit back in to to talk to James and um, to James Duffy, and then. Um, We'll do that. I might. If it's a Toronto game, I might have a "What's Bugging Ray" segment, like mm-hmm. I did last game, and so I got to do those in the pregame, and then and um, wait for puck drop. And in between periods, where do you go? What do you do? Uh, we have that room that I was telling you yep. about. So I okay scoop back out. I um, grab a some you know a tea probably because I don't want to be awake all night and uh, you something tweet, warm. You angrily tweeted very you, warm. You angrily tweeted some people. Sometimes if there's if there's much idiocy that needs to be responded to, um, and the, the, and uh, yes, I'll tweet back at a few people or okay, or you, sometimes you you know you run into somebody that's sure down there and have a chat, and then I'm like, oh, I gotta go. Five, you know, I mean, yeah. inter eighteen minute intermission, I gotta be back with about three or four minutes, four minutes yeah. probably. Is um, optimum. Do you mind when you share the the spot with another analyst, or is that pain in the ass? For no, not at all. No, no I'm no. They're, I don't know. Everybody's how... there doing their job. It's it seems easy. I know, you know you, when they're there. I know you got a headset on, and I've done it. I've done that stuff too. But somebody right next to me talking, and you trying to formulate it. I know. I, I would. That would be hard. Yeah, that's it. It can be. I guess. Yeah. Um, and I use. Um, I use a headset with just one earpiece because I like to hear. Oh yeah, yeah, what's sure. Going on. Yeah, and so every every once in a while, you um, you catch what the other guy's saying, and um, you try and put the earpiece um, in the ear that faces the yeah faces him. Yeah, and so yeah. that it forms a little bit of a buffer. You're like uh, Mc- Pierre McGuire just made an excellent point, Chris. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I I don't know that that would happen. Right. I don't know that he would. I don't know that he would reference me either sitting <laughs> or anybody else standing there for that matter. Like uh, hey, the guy beside me noticed something I didn't. Right. I don't think either of us would say that. You know. Um, does Chris or Gord come down from the press box in intermissions or no? No time. No, no, they stay up there, yep. and um, I see them post game and. Yep. And we, uh, we now, scoot out of there. And you always, uh, you've made a joke a few times about when the when the horn goes, you are in the car 
within five minutes or something. You've said one time. Oh, there's there's no there's no point hanging out. No. Once that once that game is over, I wait for them to come down, mm-hmm. and we decide if we're going to go grab a beer or something. Yep. Um, which is you know a six second discussion. <laughs> yes, we are, and then we go to wherever we're going, or say okay, see you later, see you next time. Gone. Gone. Go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no chilling afterwards. No, no press. Co- no. no, no press conference. No notes. Nothing. Which no, they. The uh, the only thing I would do is like if I've got a buddy that's you know that I'm going to say hi to that's you know coaching or something on yep. the other one of the teams I might hang out there for a little bit to say a quick hi and yeah. um, run it run into an agent that are generally down there saying hi to their players and yeah. um, that's that's about it. Yeah, see, I gotta I gotta hang out for an hour or two after a race to get quotes and talk to people and it sucks. You yeah, I don't want to do yeah. that. I'd rather yeah, just... see that the the thing is like. All the reporting that goes on, what you're doing, yep. that's what I catch up on the next day. Yep, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And, and I need it for my radio hits, and, and then that completes the cycle of the game, and then I start all over again. Yeah, I, I find it hilarious that you get a pregame nap in. I had no, I figured you'd stay down there, maybe, I don't know, maybe leave the arena, but I didn't realize you, like the NHL players, you have a pregame nap. That's that's great. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of times the reason I need it is I'm on that bloody red eye yeah. right before. So. Yeah. It's a, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's only half an hour, but yep. it's uh, every, every once in a while you get a drool-inducing two-hour nap, which is outstanding. <laughs> it's just great. Fantastic. It sets you up for that game tonight. Um, yeah. Favorite coach to talk to? Is there one before the game? Um, no, I, I would say anybody that doesn't <laughs> take the conversation way too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like most of the guys are um, – are really, I mean, they're all hockey guys, so yeah. we all have something in common. They're um, some mutual like some friend, guys, yeah, yeah. And I, I, you know what? I I would say there's there's not any that I go, oh god, I got to talk to that guy. Right. Now they might think the other way about me, <laughs> but I, I don't. You know, I don't think that. You know, I mean they they would think that. I, I've had coaches say to me, "Man, you're killing me when you mention." We've got too many men on the ice, or yeah. man, would you let that go? Or yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. I've had people say that, and I'm like, well, okay, yeah. don't have too many men on the ice, right? <laughs> you know, like what if yeah. I'm not making it up, right? right. It's like, um, I could see that totally. I've had that too. I've had teams or managers tell me, man, why you got to bag on my guy? And I'm like, he made a stupid move. I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I didn't. Yeah. You know, I report on the sport. Like, sorry, I didn't do the move. <laughs> yeah, and I and I don't think the guys. A donkey. I just said yeah. you made a bad play. Mm-hmm. You know. um, so, anyways, I, they're a little sensitive to that, which I would be too. I, yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I I listen to Mike Babcock speak here and there. And obviously, as a Maple Leaf fan, and, and does he treat you guys sort of the, like the way he treats a lot of the questions he gets in the post race in the post uh, game presser? Basically, if you ask him about Zach Hyman, he steers it into how much he loves the penalty kill, and uh, this guy's a good man. He doesn't really um, ever answer a question too much. Uh, he he doesn't give away. Mike will not give away any unintended information. Yeah, is the yeah. way I would say that. Like he's, I think that um, Mike thinks about the questions he's going to get, mm-hmm. and he thinks about the message he wants to get out. Like he's. Yep. I don't. I don't view Mike as a very spontaneous person in anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think he's really methodical about everything he does. So we'll have a conversation, and and like if you bring up a point, he'll he, sometimes he'll just go nah, 
just like that. And, you know, like basically like, no, you're wrong. And then he might not expand on it, but, yeah. you know, to get the point. Yeah. I, I think it would be frustrating to cover him. I, the little I, I see covering him, you ask him a pointed question, and he doesn't want to talk about it, so he's not going to. You know, and, and no, it's not, unless he wants to, yeah, unless, unless he, wants he wants to, wants. right? And so it's not like a White House presser where you would keep hammering the dude. None of these guys want to do that. You know, it's sports, um, so you move on. Um, but I do wish some of the guys would would follow up and be like, "You didn't actually answer my question about this guy or whatever." But it yeah, is, I, I don't. I, it 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 can be um, an effort in futility. For yeah, sure. yeah, no, absolutely. All right, Ray, uh, another exciting edition of Paul Pocky Podcast. Apologize for people who were waiting earlier in the week, but, yeah, Ray's on vacation, kind of. So, uh, Kind of kind of travel bogged down, and this, this day worked, so thanks yeah. for sticking with us, and we'll get back on schedule. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Ray, well, have fun. Uh, what's the next game? Where are you at next time? Uh, I'm actually Monday. I've got Boston at Toronto, so uh, but I'm looking forward to that. That should be a yeah, that's huge another, game. Another big game. Brad Marchand is on fire right now. Jeez. Oh, my God, the effort. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. All right. Um, well, cool. Uh, Ray, thank you very much. TSN uh, lead analyst Ray Ferraro and Paul Pocky podcast. Uh, thanks, Ray. And uh, we'll talk next week, man. You betcha. Thanks for listening, everybody. Steve, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys next week. All right. Thanks. See ya.